This episode is brought to you by Broad Street Publishing. Even the rough patches will make sense, the pain and everything, because you know God is leading you. So all I got to do is validate who's leading me. Actor T.C. Stallings is coming up in this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. The Bold Idea Podcast coming at you. Kind of sounding like a radio DJ. <laughs> hey, this is Larry Gates and I'm here with Armin Asadi. Hey, we want to thank you for taking part in the Bold Idea Podcast. We're up to episode number seven now. We've got a great show lined up for you today. That's right. We got someone who has made dreams come true for him, and he has made massive transitions, and each transition has been a bold move. And this is a guy that's just ideal for this show and this podcast, so we're really excited to have him on board with us. Absolutely. We've got T.C. Stallings. You might recognize TC if you watched Courageous or War Room. He was the actor in that movie, but he was a former professional athlete that's turned actor, speaker. He's written two books, The Pursuit and his new book, Playing on God's Team. He played professional football in the European and Canadian leagues and then pivoted to film and television. He's got a funny story about being on the animal planet, and you want to hear about what he has to say about how he landed his role in Courageous and War Room. And all that's coming up right now. We're going to talk to TC. Well, T.C. Stallings is with us today, and boy, so glad to see you again, T.C. Thanks for being on the Bold Idea Podcast. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's an honor, honor to be asked. All right. Well, glad to have you, and you are one of those guys who is a Christian, devout, sold out, and also in Hollywood as an actor, so probably aren't a lot of people like that. Well, you know, I mean, I'm praying every day that I can meet more and more people that are willing to let Jesus be their Lord, as well as their Savior, you know, not just their Savior, but their Lord, somebody that leads them in all that they does, scripturally, biblically. You know, I've always got my eyes open out here, and it's funny. The more and more we get people to come out here and be bold for Christ, the more of them will, will step out. You know, you'd be surprised at how many people out here are really, truly trying to love the Lord, but they're afraid. And so that's part of the reason I came, to hopefully continue to build relationships and help people come from under that cover and and go ahead and not be afraid to be bold for Christ. Yeah, so when did you move into the lion's den, so to speak? Well, I came out to L.A. in 2012, and I've been here ever since, and I came out here with nothing in terms of things that would propel me forward in the industry. I had no agents. I had no—well, actually, let me back up. I bet that's all I had, actually. It was the agent phone call, and I, I write about this. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit, but it was the agent phone call that started my prayers that got me out here in 2012, but beyond that, I had no connections, no anything. And we just started from scratch and started from prayers and started from purpose. And and now I sit with representations in, in four and five areas and a few commercials here and there, you know, 10, 11 films under my belt. And, you know, we've kind of settled in here and, and we are in a position to continue to do some great things for the Lord. So it's been a great five-year run now. Yeah, that's awesome. And now you said you... You started with really nothing and didn't have a lot of assets under your name. It kind of, or under your belt anyway. And it sounds a lot like an interview we had uh, not too long ago with Stephen Kendrick, who's, who you know really yeah. well. 
They, oh, yeah. He joked Wait. that they had all the boxes and no checks, but empty boxes on yeah. how to make a movie. <laughs> yep, I was pretty much the same way, you know. I, I mean, and it's so funny because those guys, you know, Alex and Steven are such a, a big part of, of me coming out here simply because, you know, my, they gave me my first role, I, you know, but I wasn't out here in, in Hollywood when it happened. You know, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and they gave me my first shot. So after that, you know, the agent gets wind of what I've done by seeing Courageous, and they actually give me a call. And just right off the bat right there, the, the stuff just gets weird. I mean, that's just, that's not usually how it happens that, you know, usually people chase after Hollywood their entire lives. But for me to just do one film, and then just in a matter of Three months, I get a phone call from a legit L.A. agent saying, hey, come out here. We want to represent you. That starts the chain reaction of prayers and validation from the Lord. It's like, is this you or is this just me trying to capitalize on mm. something? And and once I realized it was him, I made my pro and con list, you know, and my I had a whole bunch of empty boxes with those cons, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> this is crazy. And then, you know, I write about it. The Lord just checked them all off one by one. And, and here I am. How would yeah. you know it was God? I'm just curious. Well, for me, I first went to my common sense, and I think that's what a lot of people do, and and, and I've kind of started to go by the saying of your common sense can become a common problem if you leave Jesus out of it. You know, Hmm. when he gives you a sense of something that seems like it's not going to work, you need to run that through him because his realism is different from our realism. What's unrealistic to us is so realistic to him. He says his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways mm-hmm. is not our ways. And in fact, he looks to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can even think. So he just thinks bigger than we do in a lot of cases or <laughs> more abstract. And so when the agent called me, I, I actually kind of blew it off. I just really, my common sense told me that this was a satanic thing. <laughs> I had too much going for me in, in Louisville. I had a great family. I was working at the church. I was volunteering at the church. I had a fitness center. I was just doing too much. I was working for the Lord and teaching these kids about the Lord. And here Satan comes trying to distract me. That's kind of how, what my common sense told me. So, well, I couldn't shake a headache to answer your question because <laughs> I was stressed out about this whole thing. It wouldn't leave my mind. And uh-huh. so I went on ahead and I actually prayed about it. Instead of being common sense prideful where you don't pray because you think you know everything, I actually just gave it up and said, okay, let me pray about this. Even though I think I know, let me pray. Yeah. And when I prayed about it, I prayed specifically telling the Lord, hey, if this is of you, then you're going to open the doors. You're going to have to show me how to do this. If this is not of you and it's the distraction that I think it is, just shut the door because in my human nature, it's very attractive to pursue this. So it was very specific. And when I woke up and I wrote out a pro and con list, the way the Lord started to show, the way he answered that prayer is he started to make the cons pros. Mm-hmm. Like every problem I had, he started showing me answers to those problems. So much so until it got freaky because I knew it was him. But that's how I knew because I had a specific prayer. God gave me specific answers. That was it. Then I, once I knew it was him, then I was okay to go. Give us an example of the con to pro. So here I am running a fitness studio. I had one pro of my whole list. You know, I, I really try to look for a lot of positives. The only one that I could have is... Well, there's a lot of people who like to go, they say they're Christian, they say they believe God and they're following him, but they also want to act and everything. And they see that a project may present them with the opportunity to where they have to get dirty or use profane language or do sexual things or whatever. And they're ready to compromise. And basically they'll put God on the shelf, go do that stuff, then come back and get God off the shelf and then try to do some good things and, and think it's okay. And so they're ready to compromise. And the reason they do that is because of Hollywood has this stigma out here that you can't love Jesus out here. If you try to do that, you won't get any opportunity. So people are already ready to compromise. So my one pro was 
if I could come out here and I could make it in an uncompromising way, then that would that would just crush that whole stigma. And then people won't be able to use that excuse no more. And I can inspire people to hold on to Christ and follow him truthfully and not get themselves into spiritual trouble trying to compromise. So that was the one pro. But the cons were, my goodness, they, the, that was all I had for the pro. The con was <laughs> I had the fitness studio I was renting and I was in, not even in the middle of a two-year lease yet. So this is thousands of dollars that I would have to pay in order just to break that lease. That's the first thing. Secondly, I had tons of clientele that had paid for sessions way out you know, months in advance and things like that. So I had that problem. Mm. Then I had, you know, there's $10,000 we paid for all the fitness equipment that we had. And this this agent wanted a decision in less than 90 days. You know, that that's a massive garage sale that I'd have to have <laughs> in 90 days. And that, that's not going to happen. And, and honestly, those were just the easy things. Then you got to deal with where are you going to live in L.A.? How are you going to provide for your family? I, right. I'm not this single guy that can just live out of his car and, and, <laughs> and, and grind that way. So it, the list just went on and on and on and on. Well, I'll just give you one example for the sake of time, and you can kind of piece it together how it started to happen. This is what I write about in my book, The Pursuit. One of the elders from the church that I was attending, you know, when you're personal training people, you get real close. And, you, you know, everybody knew about the whole phone call from L.A., so this one particular client, we're talking about it, and he says, so you prayed about it and everything. Yeah, he said, well, I've been praying with you, and talk to me about some of these problems that you're having. Like, I, you know, And I told him about my list, like I just did you guys. He chose to take the $10,000 problem and eliminate it. Like, mm. he took the, the, all the equipment, and he decided to buy all of it, every single piece. Wow. And, and that was just, like, mind-blowing for me. He was just like, you know— if God is calling you to Hollywood to do whatever, this is be one of the things that won't be in your way, you know? So, mm. and then boom, con after con after con was turning into a pro because everybody was just like coming in saying, Hey, the sessions you owe us, we heard about the whole Hollywood thing. We don't want to stand in your way. We want to be behind you. So just do however many sessions you can for the rest of the year. And then when you guys leave, just take the money as a gift. So this just kept happening and kept happening and kept wow. happening. So that's to answer your question even further. That's that's pretty much how I knew because it was happening with every single issue. That's great. Now this, it, you know, going out to Hollywood was not your first stint of acting, right? Because of course you did the courageous films before that. You were in L.A. when you did War Room, right? Right, I was in L.A. for War Room. Yeah, and uh, we were courageous. Yes, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and up until that point, the only acting I had done. I mean, I had been on TV with Animal Planet, but that was a reality show. That wasn't really acting. It was <laughs> and you a won competition type, like Survivor type thing. And you won. But, uh, I wanna, yeah, I did. I did win. I, I want to know what and, what caused you to think to go on a reality show. I mean, you know, you know where did that you come know what's from? What's funny about that is, I, at that point in my in my life, it was one of those things where it was just something fun to do for the summer. See, like people ask me, where did I get my my desire to act from, that didn't come to a much later in life as far as a career move. Up until that point, it was just something that for some odd reason was always in my back pocket as something that I just enjoyed to do. Like, I just have fun. You know, if the church was doing a play, I wanted to be in the play. You know, I like to get attention and have fun like that. You know, if the school was doing a play, I'd do a play. If the college was doing a play, I'd do a play. But never in my mind did I, did I think to myself, one day I'm going to trek out to Hollywood and try to make it as a professional. Like, no, no, no. Like, like sports and football had that, that part of my heart. But yeah, you know, the acting thing was just for fun. So here we are in the summer. I'm playing football. I'm playing arena football at the time. 
We saw it on TV that Animal Planet was holding auditions. I got a love for animals. And so I was just like, eh, on a whim. We just like, eh, let's just see what happens. <laughs> Next thing I know, Animal Planet is like, we want you on the show. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, well, all right, well. So in the middle of my season, I go to Animal Planet. They all were behind me. It's like, hey, who, how many times do you get to do this? And so I go and, boy, that thing, that thing turned into a test of integrity. I, like, I didn't know what I was getting into. It turned into like... <laughs> survivor with animals is what it was. So, you know, a lot of a lot of lying and cheating and conniving and scheming and I got to try to navigate my way through here but I'm building real relationships with real people um they know I'm a Christian and it became a way where I'm like, hey, I got to show some integrity here and I was like man I didn't know I was getting into this but Integrity guys on shows like Survivor, they get killed. I, I won't last a week here trying to be all upfront and clean, but <laughs> turn around and I win the show. And that's great. So, yeah, that's awesome. You know, as you pointed out, you haven't been an actor by profession, but you were a pro athlete by profession earlier in your days, right? Yeah, that that was all. That was a dream since I was twelve years old was yeah. to be a professional football player. And I graduated from. University of Louisville, you know, I played there for college. And after that, I went to the Arena League and I played in the Arena League for four years. And then I got a shot at the Canadian Football League, which was big time for me. I was excited and played over for the Calgary Stampeders. And then I went to Europe and I played for the Bergamo Lions. We won a Super Bowl over there. That was my best season and wrapped up everything over there in 2008 and headed back to the States with the goal to go ahead and take all my good numbers to the NFL and make that final push there. But I ended up going to see a movie, Fireproof, and that, that changed my pursuits so that completely. Was it. That, that was it. You saw Fireproof, and, and that was it. That was it. And, you know, I didn't plan on that. You know, in fact, I was still, you know, training and running and getting ready for personal workouts for the NFL and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm 30. I think I was 30, 31 at the time. And I'm like, all right, for a running back, you know, I can still run fast or whatever. But even still, they, the window is shut. And when they see that number, so I only got like, you know, a couple of years to try this, you know, it's hard to get a 30, 30, 31 year old running back sign. So mm -hmm. I'm like, this is it. This, this year, next year is it. I go and see fireproof <laughs> just, just, just as a date with my wife, you know, I go see that movie and man, I'm in here and my heart is just beating for acting at the end of this. And it's unexplicable to me because again, my, I was knee deep in football and here I am now feeling like this is what I want to do when I'm done. And I'm like, I didn't want to wait. Like, I want to start now. I don't, I don't want to chase out the football no more. Like, I, I think I want to get on this right now. And I'm looking in this theater and I'm watching so many people responding to this movie, but they're responding in such a way with things that they could use in their life for real. Like, men are thinking about being better husbands. Women are thinking about being better wives. And, and you're hearing them discuss this in the theater. Nobody's leaving. And I'm like, a movie is having this kind of impact for Christ? I'm like, my gosh, this is what I want to do when I'm done. And so... That began my pursuit of chasing down the Kendrick brothers and, and trying to catch up with them. And th that's another answer prayer. You know, you asked earlier how I knew to leave. Well, this is how I knew to pursue acting because I'm like, all right, Lord, let me make sure you got to validate this heartbeat. Is, is this you or am I just emotional right now? Like, is this going to wear off in a few days? Like, I want to pray on this. And so in praying about it and praying about it, it wouldn't go away. And so I was like, all right, Lord, if this is you, you're going to have to make it happen. I got to find these Kendrick brothers. And man, the next year I, I, I'm working with these brothers. That's just the really cool part about it is you got to, the humbling of yourself to validate the calling is always mm. the first step before you run and jump and do something. And God honors that right away because you're not making this decision apart from him. You're like, all right, guys, you got to validate this. And when he validates it now, it's like, okay, this is me. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you into victory in this area because this is where I want you. And 
even the rough patches will make sense, the pain and everything, because you know God is leading you. So all I got to do is validate who's leading me. God, is this you? Sure. Okay, well, I don't care about the details then. I know you're out in front and I'm going. I don't need to know anything else, just that you're out in front. I'm going. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Hi, I'm Brian Simmons. I'm the lead translator for the Passion Translation. As a missionary and linguist, it's been my privilege to handle the Word of God in the original manuscripts, and I'm delighted to bring it to you now from the Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew text in a passionate, emotive, powerful format that will bring life to your reading of the Word of God. Download a free copy of the Book of John at thepassiontranslation.com. So let me get this right. You went with your wife to go see Fireproof, and that resonated so deeply inside of you that you needed to act. You went out and chased down Alex and Stephen Kendrick to see if maybe you could star in one of their future movies. Is that is that exactly that right? what happened? And to even get <laughs> okay. more specific, you know, Aaron Bethay played the role of Catherine yeah. Holt in the movie. So there was an acting competition down in Florida, and I heard that the Kendricks were going to be there. It's called the AMTC. So I go running down there with a sole purpose is to running into these guys. Well, Alex and Steven never made that trip. <laughs> but Aaron went on their behalf, and she was, like, running around casting and, like, interviewing people. And so when I found that out, I'm just literally looking for her all throughout this whole venue. But the thing is, she was only casting for the young roles, like the, the, the really younger roles. And I think that the role of Derek, the teenager that I improperly influenced in the movie, they were looking for that <laughs> role, but not, not the TJ role that I had played. In fact, that role had just about already been cast. So I never even got a chance to speak to her about any of this. I never got a chance to run into her. Everybody was interviewing her. I never got a shot. So I got back home and I was really, really disappointed. So I ended up writing her an email. And I'm, so this is the thing that never works, you guys. This is like the stuff out of movies. It never works where you write this heartfelt email and somehow the actress sees it and she's moved by the email <laughs> and gives it to the powers that be. And then they call you and give you an audition. Well, that's exactly what exactly happened. What happened. <laughs> that, that is literally what happened. She read the email. She turned it over to the Kendrick brothers. Now, the Kendrick brothers had already had Damien Horn slated to be TJ. And if, Damien Horn, if you remember, he's a guy that's in the back seat with Javier with the Snake King scene. Yeah. He was actually the one that was going to be TJ. And now when they saw me... And they gave them my picture and my email or whatever. They immediately called me and said, hey, can you get someone on tape for us? We'll send you a few lines. So they send me some lines. I go in my garage. You know, in the movie, TJ has a 12-gauge. So I grabbed a baseball bat. And that was my, um, like my 12-gauge. Mm. I set up the scene in my garage and had my wife film it. And I ran around and did the whole little TJ scene and sent it back. They called me back a couple days later and said they loved it. They want to see more. They're going to do an interview on Skype. So it's ironic that we're here on Skype now. <laughs> I did a video audition on Skype. Right. And the reason this had to go that fast, there was no time to get me to Georgia to audition in person. Because, again, they already had the, their guide to do TJ anyway. But after doing the video and doing the Skype, being that I was probably about 20 pounds heavier than, than, than Damien was, that felt like both guys are awesome TJs. But with TC being the bigger one, he'll be more intimidating, which I think will, will help out. And then we can use Damien with the scene with Javier. And so that's actually how I got the role for TJ. And that started everything. Yeah. Now, in both Courageous and in 
War Room, you play this guy with a pretty commanding presence, right? Right. Is that you or like, are you entirely acting? (laughs) I'm entirely acting, man. And, you know, it's funny. I give a message about that, you know, how God can use some really awful things in your life and make them into beautiful things for his glory and for his purpose. Because everything that you see me do with TJ, I would love to say I'm just that awesome at being (laughs) the bad dude. But you know what? If I'm if I'm honest about it. It was a little bit of me acting and a lot of what I saw growing up. Mm. That TJ dude, I know that dude. Yeah. Like, I know him. I grew up around him. Mm. I saw him. You know, I watched these gang fights and violence in my neighborhood. I saw it all the time. It was one of the things that really drove me to try to be an, an athlete so I can get out. And so I knew how to turn my gun sideways. I knew how to dress. I knew how they look. I knew the drugs. I grew up around him my whole life. And I remember being young, hating that I was in that type of environment and wanting to get out so, so bad. But it's so funny how, you know, I guess, you know, 30 years later or so, or 25 years later or so, I got a chance to use that to create a character that would inspire the world and men all around the country to say, that guy is never getting near my son or daughter. I was able to be real from what I saw. And so I drew from my bad experiences to be able to put that guy on screen. So I'm forever grateful that I got a chance to see it and make it through it so that I could use it to be a part of a very powerful film. Yeah, and what a redemptive story, right? So something in your life that was painful to to be around, you were able to use it in a redeeming way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you've gone from athlete to actor, and now you're adding to your resume writer. And you've just published your second book, Playing in God's Team, Mm 21-Week Devotional for Building True Christian Athletes. What's that all about? Well, you know, the first book I wrote was The Pursuit, and that basically is, it covers a lot of what we talked about with the whole trek out here and everything. And interesting enough, Plan on God's Team was the first book I ever wrote. And I, I was trying to get publishers to read it, and it's funny. God just slammed the door shut on Plan on God's Team. And I had always wondered why. Kept on trying to, to get it in front of people for years. I mean, the book is basically a six-year project when you really, really break it down. But it's funny. It's a testament to God's timing and how he does things. Because in writing The Pursuit, you know, it's like God said, hey, I want you to, first of all, experience what it's like to pursue me passionately, first of all. And I want you to tell everybody about that. Like, this is the season for your life. And in obeying that, these same publishers asked me, say, man, you did a great job with The Pursuit. You got anything else? Mm. And that's when I gave them Plan on God's Team. But by this time, number one, I'm a better writer. Plan on God's Team went in the beginning had so much because I'm getting to that in a second about I was so on fire about my story of learning how to be a true Christian athlete at a very young age where it's really tough to learn a lesson. I was so fired up. The book was so much bigger. It told so much. But see, with the Lord is so great that he showed me how to write and how to relate to people and, and got me a format going. And I end up kind of really revamping the book. And now it's much better than what it was. But Plan on God's Team was basically it was written first because it happened first. It was my sophomore year of college. I had come into my sophomore year. By that time, I was a strong believer in God. If anybody's listening, this is something you want to write down. This is that like like refrigerator little line right here. <laughs> I was a big time believer in God, but I was not a big time follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus was my savior. Jesus was not my Lord. Mm. And you have to do both. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know that. That right there will sum up and save time for me having to really hash out the story that I tell in the book. But I I talk about how I grew into that belief because it's a very popular thing that happens where, you know, people see accepting Jesus Christ as their savior, as the finish line. 
when in actual, it's more like the starting blocks. It's not the end. It's the beginning. Yeah. You know, there's work to do. You know, there's there's so much more. And so when I became a Christian, I looked at it as the finish line. I believed in God. That's it. But I kept doing everything I normally do. So I get to college and people there, there's some people there who know what it truly means to be a Christ follower. And I, they know I didn't look like it. Yet I pounded my chest about it. In college, you know, I was the guy that would speak at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes events, and I was called the biggest Christian on the Universal Louisville football team. And so I had this reputation. It's a very low standard, by the way, so I could easily live up to it. And so everybody <laughs> around me who really didn't know either what it meant to be a Christian, a true Christ follower, w- was buying my act. I didn't know it was an act. So this is a very dangerous recipe. Well, this kid asked me to study the Bible with him. He had been watching me. He knew I was hypocritical and didn't know it. He could tell I was lukewarm and didn't know it. He knew I was genuine, but just was really, just didn't understand what a true follower meant. We studied together. He showed me what it meant. We started to hit scriptures like James 2.19, where it says, belief isn't enough, man. Even the demons believe. So you, that, that's not enough. Mm. And, and Matthew 7.21, not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father. So he's hitting me with all these scriptures. I see this. I realize what it truly means. And here I am, the starting running back of the football team. I'm big time. I'm this, I'm that. But I was humbled. So the very next day, I do like a person who doesn't want to smoke anymore does. You know, you, you try to quit cold turkey and throw the whole pack of cigarettes away. You know, but that's hard because now you're not used to that. And you're just going crazy because you, you don't know what to do. It's that withdrawal stuff. Well, that's what I went through as a Christian. I stopped cold turkey with sin. Like, I just wouldn't do anything. And then sin started to beat me up, like big time. So I'm, I'm saying to myself, okay, where's all this power that I'm supposed to have? I just read all these scriptures about the Holy Spirit and this new life. And, but it's harder now than it was before I ran into this kid, before I knew all these scriptures, before I knew what it truly meant. This doesn't add up. And so I got upset with God and frustrated. And this, this is that moment where Satan could take control, but this is where everything changed. I read 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, where it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. Every athlete goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that won't last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And realizing that I was the they and the we, I was the Christian and I was the athlete, I started to compare my effort just like Paul did. And then it hit me. Man, I do everything my football coach says. I know my playbook backwards and forwards. I do all the weightlifting to get stronger. I do all the endurance training to get faster and don't give up. And I go to all the team meetings. Well, that's what I do for my football team. But what do I do for Christians? As being a Christian, like Team Jesus is what I started to call it. I don't do everything my coach do. I don't do the spiritual strength training, like focusing on the areas that's where I'm weak in my faith. I don't always push through my problems with God. I give up a lot. And I don't always meet with other believers regularly. That's not my thing. So Look at my effort towards Team Jesus and look at my effort towards University of Louisville. I'm an amazing football player, all-star, everything. But then on Team Jesus, it's, it's awful. Why? It's all about the effort and me doing my part. And, and I was just like, this, this is mind-blowing for me. And so when I learned those lessons and I realized that, hey, faith is what saved me. By the grace of God, I am on his team. But that same grace is not a license to sit and do nothing and get weak and get beat up by life. That grace should motivate me mm-hmm. to do everything God has called me to do. So I should live a life in response to that grace. And that puts the do back in being a Christian. Mm. So people won't say, hey, I don't have to do anything. I'm saved. No, you do a lot because you're saved. Mm-hmm. And so that is a summation of what's in this book. Every lesson that I learned, 21 weeks of these lessons, discussion questions that make you go deep. It's like the same questions I end up asking myself. 
And then I got these wrap-up videos on my website so I can go through it with you and kind of put everything in the right perspective. And so that's like the gist of the book. And man, I'm, I'm just really excited because again, it's just, it's an eye opener for people to know what it truly means. And you can be more than just an athlete that pounds his chest and points to the sky when you do something good, but then you forget about God all the other other days. This makes you a true Christian athlete. And that's what I aim to do in writing it. Yeah, man, TC, I can say you, you really lack passion for this book. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I'm just sick of Satan pulling the wool. Oh, man, I love eyes, it. Man. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where that Matthew 7, 21 is just really sobering. I mean, I don't want any athlete, any person, you know, by the way, in the book, I define team as a collection of people coming together to reach a common goal. That's a dictionary definition of team. And I unintentionally realized that in writing this book for athletes who, who aim to become true Christian athletes, I realized that anybody who understands anything about being on a team could benefit from this book because your job is a team and there's a boss there. You know, you guys form a team as you're interviewing me, your family's a team. And the thing is, this book challenges you to look at your effort for how you perform on teams where you really, really want to get something done, like whether it's a raise or family doing well, and look at your effort there. Like, yeah. like Paul says, that's for a crown that won't last. But what, what about Team Jesus? And you can compare your effort on any level and realize that God is saying, hey, I got a plan for you and I want your best. You know, And so I want people to see that and not fall for the trick that hey, just because you believe in God, you're good to go. Oh my God, Satan would love for your faith (laughs) just to be about your belief alone and you do nothing in terms of following Christ. He says a lot of people are going to be shocked in the end when they thought they were on his team and they found out that they're not. And I just aimed to battle against that. Yeah. So yeah, there's a little passion. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. And I I love that. And your book is written from a sports metaphor, which makes sense because that's really been your background and experience. And you do say it's for building true Christian athletes. But for our listeners, if they don't consider themselves an athlete, I can tell you from looking at this book and from reading it, this is not just for athletes. This is for everybody. And the way he's written this, the way you've written this, TC, is you know, you're recommending that you do this in a group and get together and sharpen one another through it. So I just love that. And the fact that you have additional video resources as well is great. Yeah, I wrote it with the athlete in mind, but it was easily written with the sensitivity of anybody who knows anything about being on a team, mm-hmm. you know, and anybody who knows anything about sports fans, because that scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, focused so much on how hard athletes work. You know, I love that when you read the Bible, for those who really read through it, you'll see the athlete referred to a lot because mm-hmm. it's a direct hit on how much effort they give to the sport that they love. And so they keep contrasting it with Christians. How much effort do you give towards the God that you claim to love? And then it looks at the rewards, how the athletes, all throughout scripture, athletes getting prizes, athletes running races, but it puts it in perspective and says, but these races don't even truly matter in the grand scheme of things. However, the race we run in life, the game of life that we play has an eternal reward, eternal crown. And that's the awards banquet you definitely want to be at when they're handing out eternal prizes, you know? And so the only thing that I say is sports specific is, is like the metaphors, because I know we, we live in a culture where everybody for the most part can identify with it. So I just think it's a great, great metaphor to use because we're so sports engulfed in our culture. So it's just, it's just perfect. But yeah, man, my heart was with athletes but it's definitely written with the sensitivity that anybody, anybody who picks this book up won't put it down without knowing what it truly means to live for Christ and give him all you got because of the grace that he gave and putting you on his team. Awesome. 
Man. Awesome. All right. Well, how do our how do our listeners find out about you? Well, with me, I'm available at www.tcstallings.com as far as just the things I'm into. And so that's my website. Social media is always fun. You know, I, I wasn't really a big fan of social media at first, but now that <laughs> let me tell you what really, really got me with social media. Before War Room, nobody in Afghanistan or Russia or Croatia or Brazil or Dominican Republic, Africa, you know, Uganda, these people could care less if some dude named T.C. Stallings knew that their prayer life has gotten better. Mm -hmm. Like, they could care less. But because of this whole social media thing, I can do a film about prayer, and somebody in one of these countries, in a second, can let me know, hey, I was inspired by your role as Tony Jordan. Mm -hmm. I was inspired by your book, Pursuit. I was inspired by your book, Plan on God's Team. So now I've become a huge fan of it. When used responsibly, it's a great way to tell somebody way over in another country, hey, dude, I love you. Hey, my sister, I love you. God bless you. It's going to be all right. I could never say that otherwise. So now I'm a big fan. So Twitter, I'm at TC Stallings. Facebook, at TC Stallings. And Instagram is official TC Stallings. And if anything I'm doing ever inspires you, hey, and I'm, and I'm humble. If anything you see me doing, you're just like, you know, TC, tighten up on that. Listen, I'm open to it. Mm. I'm open to it because I'm all about living for the glory of Jesus Christ. If anything ever gets in the way of that, you know, I'd be a miserable wreck. I love to hear how my books or projects or anything are inspiring any of you. Please, please, please get with me on there and let me know how things are going. And when I sit here and I write and when I go and I act and when I'm not compromising, you're the people that I'm thinking of. It's God first and foremost, Jesus first and foremost, Holy Spirit first and foremost. But I'm, def I'm definitely thinking of you that are being inspired by what I'm doing as God leads me in success in following him and, and, and encourage you to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So so get with me on there. Let me know how things are going. Yeah, amen with that. I mean, we're all about encouraging our listeners to engage, interact with the podcast here. We're going to have all those links on our show notes. So if you want to interact with TC, you can do that through the show notes. You can get to all the social media links and go there directly. So if you've forgotten what that was all about, you can get it directly on the show notes that comes to your email. TC, thanks for being with us today. Such a wonderful time that we've had with you. Oh, it's an honor. Honor to be asked. Appreciate you guys. Great discussion. And e even in just talking with you guys, I'm just encouraged to just keep running. You guys encourage me to to run. You All know? right, man. I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. Keep <laughs> cool. doing it. You guys keep doing the same. Well, I see you've got five films you're working on right now, at least according to IMDb. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're going to see a lot of you in the coming year. So best wishes. We'll be praying for you and all the projects that you've got going and, and keep at it. Thanks, brothers. I appreciate you. Thanks, listeners. Thank you all. Well, I mean, that was T.C. Stallings. You know, I feel like we were just on a really good sprint there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a little passion. He's got some passion. I'm ready to get rocking and rolling. And I'm telling you, I'm just like strap on the sneakers and let's go. Yeah, He's got that Southern swang, too. Well, he does. But, you know, I, I just love that. I just love how he he really took some bold moves in his life. So let's unpack what we heard today and see what we can apply for ourselves. Sure. Well, what was your greatest takeaway from this? Well, I think the bottom line lesson for me, it seemed like a thread for what he was discussing was, what are you giving your best effort to, and does it reflect a life that's responding to grace? Mm. You know, and I just look at, there's so many things I can push toward, mm -hmm. and then I just think, is that for me, or is that out of a response to the grace that I receive from God? Right. You know, is it a gift, or is it something I'm trying to build for myself? <laughs> <laughs> it's a penetrating question. Right, it is. I would say two points for me that really stuck up from what he said. One, 
when he was talking about all the obstacles that were in his way, yeah, all the cons mm-hmm. for him to go pursue what he felt like after he put things into prayer, which is not very different than what Stephen Kendrick said, right? Right. Where he said, incubate everything yep. in prayer, right? And, and I can see why those two eventually came together. It seems like divine appointment to You me. think? Because the mentality <laughs> is so much the same. Yeah. But I think there is inspiration in that story for those of us who are sitting there and we have something that we know that we are supposed to pursue, that God has literally put it in front of us. But all we see are the obstacles Mm -hmm. rather than the God that is pushing us to pursue these things. Somehow we convince ourselves that our problems are bigger than God. And I think the inspiration in what he is saying, and even though it seems like the most common sense, obvious thing to say, and he was talking about common sense, but just slapping us to reality and saying, hey, no, your God is actually bigger than your problems. Yeah, that's right. Right. And, 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 And But we forget that and we can say, yeah, I get that. I get that. But no, we don't. Half the time, as soon as there's those big obstacles standing in our way, we will see those problems bigger than our God. Yeah, exactly. He said he had no connections. And I love how he said it. He said, I started from prayer and purpose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you know God has a purpose for you, then all you have to do is go to prayer. Right. And then move on it. Right. I love that he flew down to Florida. (laughs) You know, it's like, I'm hoping to run into them and to meet them and it didn't materialize. And so he's like, okay, almost that last ditch effort. What do you do? The low percentage shots are flying to Florida and hope you run into somebody and then following it up with an email when you didn't. That's right. And and it made a difference. Yeah. I mean, it would be so far easier to just say, you know, I'm not going to take the trip. And I'm not going to send the email. I mean, he probably could have saved some money just sending the email. But I'm guessing he was motivated even more so to send it because he'd already made that commitment, that investment. And it was already borne out, you know? And I think there's a lot of people out there that would have actually taken the trip. And because the trip wasn't fruitful, they would come home and say... That was it. It it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. But he took the longest shot in the Mm -hmm. dark and said, I'm going to do this movie scene style email that doesn't actually happen in reality. It only happens in the movies, but it actually happened in reality. Yeah. You know, like that, that is how God works. Yeah. That, that persevere and he'll finish the race for you. Just do the work. Yeah. You know, the other part that I like about what he said, as I was just listening back to the episode is when he went with his wife to see fireproof, and that was his wake-up call. And he, yeah. he said, you know, that just resonated for him. He said his heart ached for acting. And, and I think it can strike us at any point in time when we have a receptive spirit to hear what God might be infusing in us with a bold idea. Yeah. And he had no plan. He had no action point, you know, but he had an awareness of what God was birthing inside of him. And then that fueled it. And that was enough. Yeah. And I can understand why he was inspired to do movies if it, a movie impacted his life and transformed his mentality that much. Why wouldn't you want to do the same? Yeah. And to think to work with the directors of the movie that actually inspired your journey into that. I mean, what a, what a neat opportunity he had and what a bold move. Yeah. One other thing I like about what I just heard is I love how quick he was to just point out the hypocrisy in his life. And it's something that typically you don't want to talk about, right? Where he's saying, I respected God, but I didn't follow Christ. And I think we're in such a grace culture of Christianity that anytime you point out hypocrisy or if you point out there isn't a 
level of obedience or discipline or whatever involved in how you are a Christ follower, regardless of that, he just points it out and says, no, I was a hypocrite and this is what I had to do. And these are the Bible verses that don't talk about love that actually impacted me. And this is how I had to change my reality. And this is how I had to change my walk, my talk, my actions, my conversations and all the above. Yeah. I have a feeling God's more likely to use somebody like that because they're in agreement with him. Because you can't yeah. hide that stuff from God anyway. Yeah. So why not be in agreement with him about it? That's right. And that's convicting <laughs> for me because I listen to that. Well, it should be. Yeah. Because, <laughs> well, there, there's definitely areas in my life where I can think to, and it's easy to hide behind a podcast or Facebook or any other communication platform I have and make myself look pretty and make myself look Christian. But the reality is there's a good portion of my life where I don't think people would know I'm a Christian. And that's real. Yeah. But I have to deal with that, yeah, right? I exactly. either accept it for what it is or actually do something about it. So maybe someone could actually know I'm a Christian, not because I wear a crucifix around my neck or proclaim Christianity. Or we'll have a bumper sticker. Yeah, but I actually <laughs> live a life that that makes people think, what's different right about you? Right on. So exactly good right. for you, TC. Oh, yeah, and another good takeaway from this episode. Now, we want to hear what your takeaway is from this story, this interview that we've had with T.C. Stallings, and go to boldideapodcast.com slash seven, which is where you'll find the episode notes. All the links and everything will get you to T.C. Stallings, and there'll be some comments and quotes from the show there. But we want you to leave a comment for us or send a comment on social media or try out our new show line at 612-568-IDEA and let us know what you think about this episode. Tell us what your takeaway was, how you're going to apply it to unleash the bold idea that God has put in your own life. And so until next time, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. We're saying so long and we're so glad you are part of the kingdom. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.